0: Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast. For all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this episode, John Maher, Grass Tin Campaign Manager, discusses key actions farmers need to take with current drought situations on farm.
1: The grass situation on farms is very variable around the country. You have counties like uh, Kerry, uh, Waterford, Cork. Growing pretty close to normal. They obviously got rain not so long ago and uh, a nice bit of it, and uh, haven't been suffering the soil moisture deficits then of, say, the eastern parts of the country, which are, you know, um, very close to drought conditions, and on some farms, drought conditions already exist. So, if we go by soil moisture deficits, once you get beyond 75 millimeters of soil moisture deficit, you really are into very low growth. Um, so, most of the country is is somewhere between, I suppose, uh, 30 to 60 uh, millimeters of soil moisture deficit. They will have some growth, but growth will be curtailed. Um, where you have a soil moisture deficit of 30 mils, um, or are between zero and 30 mils. You know, growth is normal. People forget that. The first inch of soil moisture deficit or 25 mils, um, the growth is not affected. Once you go beyond 30 mils, growth starts to decline. Once you go beyond 50 mils, growth starts to really decline. And once you go beyond 75 mils of soil moisture deficit, growth is is very low indeed. And, you know, that's very much probably becoming the commonplace now in, in the eastern counties Places like Dublin, Mead, Loud, Wicklow, um, to a lesser extent, I suppose, but Carlow, Kildare, Kilkenny are also suffering poor uh, with, with drought conditions or suffering poor growth. Then the rest of the country is somewhere between. Um, uh, you know what I would call restricted growth and drought conditions, and then the south of the country or the southwest is at normal growth currently. But given the projected and I stress projected forecasts, it won't be long before they will enter into uh, lower levels of growth in time as well. So if we look at the growth rates, then very quickly um, a lot of the country is still growing um, on average uh, sixty kilograms of dry matter per hectare per day, right? From pasture-based figures, we know that we understand that if rainfall doesn't arrive in sizable quantities that obviously those growth rates will decline when we look at the growth rates then for the eastern parts of the country or the places where drought is um, becoming more prevalent the growth rates are much lower and um, there are probably feed supply issues there existing on those farms but uh, even even within that there's a fair degree of variation in growth rate and um, even in the eastern, blo- eastern parts of the country or the eastern block, you still have growth rates between 40 and 50. Now, I know they will come down without rain, but um, at, the, at the moment, uh, um, countrywide, we're not too bad yet. But I suppose given that there's little rain in the forecast and we've had a very dry April, May and now start to June, you know, um, feed issues will start to arise more so.
0: The impact of growth restrictions on farms is very variable and demand is variable on some dry stock farms with some having a low daily demand for grass and only need minor tweaks, while others will have a high demand. So we'll need to look at their own individual situation. With current soil-meister deficits, what current actions do farmers need to take now in both situations?
1: Yeah, the growth rates I'm given are, are you know, the average across the country, across enterprises, uh, you know, whether it's dairy farms, beef farms, sheep farms, um, um, from pasture base. Within that, then, there's variation within farm and with variation within region of the country. And obviously, you have some farms that have a big demand or a bigger stocking rate in those parts of the country, then, um, where you have restricted growth and uh, a large demand or herd demand or flock demand. you know the feed issues will arise faster. There are some um, farms then in both parts of the country where growth is reasonable and where growth is poor and um, demand is is much lower. So some farms only have a demand maybe of 30 or 40 yet or grown 50 or 60. Other farms have a demand maybe of uh, 30 or 40 yet maybe only grown you know uh, 30 so they will be in trouble. So yes, the demand is a factor. Uh, if you're lowly stocked, your demand will be lower. If you're highly stocked, your demand will be higher. So where Where feed supply is starting to come under 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 pressure or grass supply is starting to come under pressure, then you've start to start looking at different options and, and effectively you 're trying to reduce the demand on the farm so the options include maybe you might graze some solid ground, you might decide to bring in some of the forward animals like bulls or forward stores or heifers or forward bullocks and bring them into the house and fatten them thereby lowering the demand on the farm and taking pressure off the the grazing block on the farm. Uh, you may decide to do something with autumn carvers and wean them early you know so all different options exist you may decide to park some animals up in a in a paddock or a field and give them round bale silage and leave grass for other animals so it's a question of where you are in terms of feed supply on the farm and try and hold that and our our objective at this point uh, you know as we enter into difficulty with drought conditions is to protect the growth in the farm and hold the grass supply so in terms of numbers then very quickly we want to hold the farm cover above 500 kilograms of dry matter per hectare for those who measure or to maintain you know somewhere about a 25 to 30 day rotation length Uh, looking forward now not looking behind so i mean by that is if you've a hundred acre block, it basically, and you want to keep a 25 day rotation, that means you don't go faster than, you know, um, four acres per day or about 28 acres for the week. You have to try and hold the, the supply of grass on the farm. If you don't and you run the grass supply down very fast, um, the principle of grass grows, grass gets removed and you end up with, um, uh, you know, running out of grass very, very quickly. So, you know, you, you you either have two options. You bring in more feed or you reduce the demand for feed on the farm uh, in terms of grass. And in many cases, people will too probably do a little bit of both. We also look um, have to look at the animals on the farm. Some are more productive than others. And where you have less productive animals or low value stock, maybe they should at this point in time, as you enter into a feed supply issue, that you decide to offload some of those animals because they are either low value, low return. Um, you know and consuming feed on the farm um that's going to get more valuable and thereby you know um also increasing demand on the farm so if you could offload them you reduce demand and you're not uh, consuming valuable feed on the farm with low productive stock
0: and for some farmers that are feeding out silage at the moment what should they be aware of
1: yeah th- this question is quite common about silage um, I'd I, be honest with you, like if, if people have made silage in the last week or two, I don't want to open the pit. I don't want to do that. I want to let preservation do its thing and fermentation take place. Round bales of hay or, or round bales of silage are options, and there are serious options to be considered. Um, where you've made bales in a, you know over uh, a month ago, no problem feeding those bales that are made last week this week two weeks ago maybe even in the last few days on a different part of the farm they can be fed immediately like there's no problem feeding bales immediately um if they're only made in the last week two days ten days whatever the case may be but one rule applies when you open a a freshly made bale it must be consumed quickly and that's that's the the point I'm making so some people have said to me look I want to feed uh Uh, 10 bales over five days right so that's basically if you do quick numbers on that's two bales a day well the reality is you need to instead of feeding 10 bales over five days you need to feed two bales a day and consume them within the day otherwise they start heating and start um, going off so there's no problem feeding freshly made bales as long as they're consumed within what i would call a 24 hour to 36 hour period after that they will start to spoil heat and uh, go off, and then and the animals won't like them. But freshly made bales, no problem, as long as we consume them fast. That's the secret. So for many round bales, we'll be fed to animals that are um, either being fattened inside, or are speed finished, or animals that have been consumed in the mountain paddocks um, in in whatever feeder system you're operating. So they must be consumed fast if they're freshly made. But the animals will have no problem eating them. And look, the reality is over the last two months, you know, silage making conditions have been excellent because you've had uh, high levels of sunshine, dry ground. So it has been easy enough to make silage. And we also know that the nitrates have been very low um, in silage samples tested for, gra- or for, for silage making. And we know the sugars have been high. So that's, um, you know, excellent in terms of uh, silage making conditions. So there should be no problem as long as they're consumed fast
0: and in some situations there where you mentioned silage has been harvested in most farms, in some cases growth has been poor, is there a benefit to letting it grow on and bulk up?
1: Yeah, okay, this is, this is not an uncommon question and we have to go back and learn, you know, from what happened in 2018. Now I accept that the spring in 2018 was a different spring, it was very difficult, Um we had very cold spring we had snow um it was very late um we had a wet autumn in 17 and so there was basically the cupboard was bare in terms of feed when we came out of spring in 2018 people were on the chase to make big um um, uh, quantities of of winter feed and the, the temptation was um which did happen as well to cut late and cut. Uh, big cuts the problem with that was in the end is that while there was a big force cut made because the the cuts were so heavy you ended up with a very white base in the sward drought got into it and its production for the rest of the year was very very poor so while there is an advantage of cutting large volumes of silage and cutting later and getting a, a big bulk of feed the the counterbalance to that argument is is that you will have very very slow recovery. Um, you open up the sward more to drought, and you know uh, the reality is that the grass production for the rest of, for the rest of the year could be well well down. So, on one hand you may gain in winter feed, but on the other hand you may lose the future grass production, whether it's for grazing or for silage. So. To be honest, we have been in, in, in the Grass 10 team encouraging people to cut the silage when it's ready to cut. silage making conditions are excellent. Nitrates are low. Sugars are high. The earlier you cut, the faster recovery. If rain comes, recovery will be fast. Where you cut large volumes of silage, it's very hard in the sward, very slow recovery, and there is a risk, given that the cupboard is bare in moisture, that, that the, the production for the, from that paddocks or fields for the rest of the year could be quite poor so why wouldn't you take advantage of the super silage making conditions in the moment cut the the crop that's there and um, quality will still be good rather than delaying it a week or two weeks into well into june you know you, you just couldn't let the super the conditions grow uh, go in terms of nitrates being low sugars being high super ground conditions and get, try, trying to get a fast recovery for the next crop of grass whether that's silage or grazing
0: so cut now and allow recovery
1: exactly yeah
0: where second cut silage is being closed at the moment what advice have you in relation to applying slurry or fertilizer
1: okay so um it's a very good question right and i i suppose to answer the question was like where where you're going for um second cut silage right we have to watch the weather forecast in terms of rain there's a possibility of some rain this week i would be anxious to get slurry and fertilizer out on those cut areas before that rain comes to help the get the fertilizer in particular washed into the soil the rule of thumb is you know to be honest for, uh, slurry first fertilizer afterwards but when that if we get some rain during the middle of th- this week you know you'll have to take advantage of trying to get fertilizer out for for a second cut some people um, are hedging their bets and i can understand that in that they will apply a certain amount of fertilizer maybe half the requirement for second cut, because they may end up grazing the field um if rain comes that can be top dumped Then for second cut, if rain doesn't come you may end up grazing it. You haven't put out fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty units of fertilizer and um, you know effectively end up grazing the field so you haven't wasted the fertilizer. You know, if you apply 40 units of a compound fertilizer and I'd prefer a compound fertilizer to replace the P's and Ks and silage. I also want sulfur because sulfur is important in drought conditions. So I'd be looking at a compound fertilizer uh, for second cut, probably um, having my bets on that at this point in time um, and to see what way the weather turns out but to try to get a spread before um, any um, possibility of rain this week some people who have cut silage ground earlier and um, took advantage of the rain about 10 days ago got the fer- got the first the story out then got the fertilizer out and in a much better place because the nutrients have now been washed into the soil and the recovery is not bad but You know the windows of rain are important here, and if they do come, you try you try and get the fertilizer out before that comes to get it washed into the soil. Um, You're dealing with bare ground, so like the trapping of dew and all is is you know there's not going to be much moisture around. So where the rainfall is, if if there's rainfall coming, try and have the fertilizer out beforehand. And if you want to um, hedge your bets and apply half now, um, at least then you have uh, fertilizer out the crop recovering um and if more rainfall comes then and things alleviate you can send that crop on to second cut silage but if you end up grazing because of your short um um then you haven't you know uh, wasted fertilizer as such for um for grazing you have enough out for grazing but uh, um not waste the fertilizer that would have gone, gone for sil- for silage yet you end up grazing the field for some farmers you know they have out farms and it, it's going to be silage production so you know, there's no animals going to go to that and that's fine or it's too far away. So, uh, you know, you'll, you'll probably apply enough uh, fertilizer and slurry to, to try and target a second crop. Just, just just, to be clear, though, like, um, you know, um, the, the, if, if you apply fertilizer and no rain comes or right, you have to wait for the rain to come. But like, it's not as if, you know, this uh, fertilizer is going to be lost or anything like that or the, the slurry nutrients are going to be lost. You know, you, um, you just have to wait for the rain to come.
0: So, nevertheless, from pasture-based Ireland, we can see that everywhere is growing some grass at the moment. In relation to fertiliser, how much fertiliser should farmers be applying at the moment?
1: Yeah, um, so we, we talk about a, a unit of day of, of fertiliser for, for reasonably stocked farms um, for every day in the rotation. Um, however, you know, given the current um, um, prevailing conditions and given the current projected, um, um, you know, weather conditions in terms of lack of rainfall, Um, grass is going to come under stress, there's no doubt about that. So you're going to see probably a little bit more stem and more seed heading than you will before. Um, to help alleviate the stress, then we actually prefer a compound fertilizer to go out. So we know that, um, for example, K or potash is important um, in moisture control in the grass plant. So given the current conditions, you know you'd like to have some K going out. We know sulfur is important in terms of the conditions we have at the moment, where drought conditions start to prevail. The plant has a greater need for sulfur. So We'd like some sulfur. We obviously like some nitrogen, probably, you know, um, a unit a day or uh, 20 units for the month uh, for those who are lower stocked, right, uh, of nitrogen. And then if you have an allowance for P, we'd like some P to go out as well because P helps the plant get through a stressful time. So compounds with sulfur is our preference. So an NPK product plus S. Now you have to watch out for the allowance for P given the regulation, but that's what we would like. Uh, to, to go onto grazing ground to help tre- deal with this stressful situation the plant is prob- more than likely going to face in the next while. We are in the period, it's the, you know, early June now, we are in a period when the plant goes to head naturally, but where you have more stress-induced grass because of uh, soil moisture deficits, the likelihood of the other tillers on, on the plants becoming stemmy and going to seed head will increase substantially the more the soil moisture deficit uh, exists.
0: That's great John. From 2018 we know that farmers that acted quickly were the ones that fared better. What are the key management practices to get through this period?
1: Yeah, it, we, we ha- people have to remember what happened in, in 2018 and, and, you know, take the lessons from it. And you're right, those who acted early came out uh, better out of it. Those who protected grass supply on the farm and protected growth on the farm and acted early, um, held on to grass way longer. And then uh, because it did that, they didn't have the additional costs of extra meal and extra silage, which are way higher cost feeds than grass. So, you know, even around of silage is two or three times the cost of, of grazed grass. So we must try and at this point, as we enter into um you know soil moisture deficits um getting worse all the time we must try and protect growth on the farm and you mentioned earlier about matching um demand of the of the farm with the potential growth on the farm so obviously growth conditions are going to become more and more restricted so we have to you know uh whole grass supply on the farm as much as possible keep the rotation lengths to 25 days there thereabouts um Hold on to as much grass as we uh, as we can within reason, um, because grass grows grass. More grass traps more dew, um, you know. So um, grass, whereas grass supply on the farm responds better to fertilizer too when the rain comes. So, you know, all those things at this point in time, as we enter into drought conditions, is is about protecting growth in the farm, protecting grass supply in the farm, taking the option, the actions. So for some, it'll be. Uh, bringing some of the forward animals or bulls in for um, f- uh, for fattening into the shed, thereby taking pressure off the off the farm. Uh, another in terms of stocking rate. Other scenarios will be bringing in other, other grass from maybe another farm, right, or bringing uh, or getting grass from somewhere else, or grazing some silage ground that's not too high in yield. Or um, uh, for some people, then it will be feeding silage to existing animals on the farm to just take the pressure off the grass supply for the other animals on the farm so you have to prioritize which animals deserve the grass and which animals will you know make do with um, um, round bay silage or um, other silage or hay
0: some key actions that farmers need to take with current drought conditions on farm thanks john for joining me on the show that's all for this week's episode and my thanks to john for joining me on the show You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie, or you can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef program, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook page. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.